0: Of everything. My name is Owen Sullivan, and today's guest on the show is Quevine O'Ralig, who's got a new album coming out with Thomas Bartlett this Friday, September 13th. It's self-titled and it is out on The Dwelling slash Real World Records. I haven't heard the full thing, as you'll hear me tell, confess to Quevine over the course of our chat, but I have been playing the couple of songs that are up on Spotify to death. I think it's going to be a really special album and it got five stars from The Irish Times last weekend, so yeah look out for that this weekend and they've also got four dates lined up to go along with the album they're playing in pepper canister church in dublin on friday september 13th that one is sold out they're playing saint luke's as part of Sounds from a safe harbor festival on saturday the 14th of september that is an evening show around 8 p.m they're playing the parcel room in london on september 27th and they're playing la poisson rouge in new york on october 9 i was really happy to talk with Quiveen, we're kind of talking about Sounds from a Safe Harbour since we last talked about Sounds from a Safe Harbour last week on the show with Mary Hickson. They have announced a free music trail with forty events taking place in over thirty venues across Cork City. I haven't actually counted them all up, but um, they seem like trustworthy people. I'm going to take their word for it. There's lots of really really great shows happening over the course of the weekend. Um, it all kicks off with Kevin Thomas Murphy in Crawford Art Gallery at 1.15pm on Friday. San chateau is launching his album in the Crane Lane at 5.30pm. That day, Boa Morte are launching their album in Crane Lane at 7 p.m. Sam Clegg is playing. Fixity are in the Roundy at 7.30 p.m. Bantam, Denise Chyla and God Knows are in the Roundy afterwards at 10 p.m. I don't know how they are going to fit everybody who will want to see that show in the Roundy. It's going to be jammers, so you might have to get down super early to get in for that. On Saturday, Junior Brother, Crash Ensemble, uh, People Mixtape, Secret Shows... Klang are doing an album listening party. And then there's a a mini Iceland takeover in Crane Lane Theatre as well. Gida and Joffred are going to be playing there. They're really, really great. I saw them at um, Airwaves last year and they're just... So great. I've seen um, Joffre her so many times. I think she's an absolute genius. Then on Sunday, you've got a Vinyl Brunch. You've got a Drag Brunch. You've got I Have a Tribe in the Roundy at 1 p.m. Slow Moving Clouds at Crane Lane Theatre at 3 p.m. Dowry is on afterwards at 4. Emmett Kerwin is in the Oval at 4 p.m. as well. Oh, that's going to be really cool. And the Mary Wallopers are going to close the uh, Free Music Trail in Crawford & Co. at 6pm. So that's a taster of what's to come uh, with the free stuff at Sounds from a Safe Harbour. It's going to be great whether you're coming down for Damien Rice and Feist or what, whatever you're doing over the weekend. It's going to be really, really special. And Queebino Norahalig and Thomas Parlett, as I said, are going to be up at St. Luke's on Saturday night doing what is sure to be a really, really great show. Without further ado, this is uh, Queebino Norahalig, someone that I've wanted to talk to for a long time. He's rather accomplished. What with uh, the gloaming, this is how we fly, his solo material, his other collaborations. He says over the course of our chat that he's got something like 18 or 19 albums under his belt at this stage. Just to set up the very start of the interview, I was just uh, chatting with him, just sorting out a time for this. And I was just like, oh, send on your number and I'll give you a quick call. I'll give you a call and uh, we'll get recording. He was like, well, I actually don't have a phone. Is Skype okay? So that leads me to ask with my very first question. First of all, I have to ask you about not having a phone. I was so shocked when you said it. I was thinking, how, how can anybody not have a phone these days, less a musician not have a phone? How do you do it?
1: Well, I never had one. Uh, so it's really easy. <laughs> I just keep being me and, uh, and the world continues uh, I suppose I do everything via email and um and I'm not always very good at that either. But uh yeah, I just I just kinda thought years ago it'd be an interesting experiment to, to try and never have a phone. Uh I had a landline once, I don't know if that counts, but um yeah, just like can I go from like this really uh very present technology that everyone carries around. And go from when that came into existence pretty much to when it ceases to exist. Like, I'm sure something will uh, supersede it. So we could be getting to that point soon. I'm not sure. I'll probably be like an early adopter for whatever the uh, the new thing is. But <laughs> yeah, pretty weird. Well, I, I, I guess it's almost coming
0: full circle now, though. I think a lot of people are kind of f- forsaking their phones and they don't want to to use it anymore and you're you're like uh sitting up there like "Ah, i knew i knew you'd all come back
1: yeah although i do have an ipad which is basically a big phone i suppose but um you
0: know do you get a lot of stern words from like people that you're working with like where are you what are you doing like you know we didn't know if you were coming
1: they've been educated over the (laughs) over the years and uh so, yeah, it's no longer a surprise for them, I guess. Yeah, it's just one of the things they have to accept. One of the many awkward things about me they have to accept. <laughs> Very good. Well, I suppose we'll 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 move on to
0: what we're supposed to be talking about, which is this new album that you've just recorded with Thomas Bartlett, which is coming out uh, this week as people are listening to it on the 13th of September. How did the album come about?
1: Yeah, well, I guess... Um, you know, we were in this band together and um, we got we were on tour and we got the opportunity to use a studio. And um, we went in and the two of us just started playing. And I guess even though we'd been in the band together for a few years at that point, we'd never actually played together. We'd never sat down and just the two of us, uh, which, you know, I guess it's a common enough thing that, you um, even with a group of friends you could have a group of friends that you just hang out with and uh, always chat with them in the group but you never sit down for a one-to-one kind of heavy duty conversation with just two of you and and that's kind of what happened and um and it was really fun that that kind of one day was just like oh my god this is so much fun there's something really special here uh, this could totally be an album so like we basically recorded an entire album that one day and revisited the idea at various points over the next two years like got another half day in studio in england and another half day in studio in new york and that's it so kind of these three very distinct different days over the space of three years
0: wow how come it was just the two of you who went into the the studio how come you knew that you wanted to go in together rather than like try and get the full band in there again yeah I
1: guess like it was at the end of a really really long tour where we'd um, we basically travel around the entire world and we ended up in Mexico City and uh, you know I can totally understand that some people weren't feeling uh uh great actually Irla came with us as well we did um we recorded like a bunch of songs with Irla he had a load of work done he really wanted to kind of get some of these songs down and see how they felt in studio so yeah it was great um he was there with loads of enthusiasm and telling us "Wow, this is really beautiful (laughs) what the music that was going down so yeah we had a we had a great time
0: and so that was in Mexico City where that studio was. Was there anything particularly special about the studio that you were like oh we'd lo- we'd love to like take a look at it or something
1: i i you know, I guess it had been booked uh ahead of time so yeah i am not sure um it was a beautiful studio like it was all all really beautiful live room and great mics and great setup. Uh, and I guess just Mexico City is a really special place. I don't know if you've been.
0: No, no, I've never been to Mexico. No.
1: Oh, it is so good. I mean, it is. Mexico is one of my favourite places. I've I've been. The people are uh, extraordinary. They're so joyful. I mean, I remember the very first time I went to to Mexico. I that that trip actually was the first time I'd been there and we came through via LA, uh, LAX, you know, I think we were coming from New Zealand, flew via LA and, you know, going through security or going through customs in the US it's like you feel like you're going to be shot you're totally a criminal until proven otherwise and then going through the customs in Mexico city um i remember the policemen at the, you know the big scanners you go through they were actually singing songs <laughs> they're just this beautiful. and everyone we met was just this really wonderful beautiful happy human beings so, yeah, i got a very special place in my heart for, for Mexico.
0: W- was that earlier this year or was it last year that you actually went that, in together? That was actually 2015. Oh, OK, right. So Yeah, it's been, yeah. Oh, OK. So it's kind of been on the, on the back burner a little bit. It's so, been album. on the
1: back burner, yeah. So we did one day that day in 2015, then one other day in 2016 and one other day in 2017. And then kind of, you know, not forgot about it, but just like thought okay well can't wait for that to come out but it took a while for it to all come together
0: um why why does that happen why does it take a while for the album to actually be released when you went into the studio four years ago
1: i know yeah um well partly it's a it's a decision i think i think it's often quite nice for yourself to leave things a while Um, when you record them fresh they're, they're they're so present in your mind and you hear all the, all the things you could have done, but didn't do, or, you know, it, there's a rawness to it. And, and when you leave it a few months, you come back and because you've kind of slightly changed, you're no longer that exact person. Now you're kind of a little more intrigued by the mistakes rather than irritated by them. And, uh, and I think that's a really healthy thing to kind of just leave it a while before Uh, pronouncing judgment on it and um uh, you kind of come back with a little more of a uh, a warm feeling towards it rather than super critical
0: okay and and like going into the studio do you go in with ideas or were you like let's go in completely blank and see what happens
1: it was totally blank every time it was like wow we've got this amazing opportunity we've never played together really before what are we going to do press record see what comes out and um and so there's, I, I, for me, the album kind of falls into, there's two categories in a way. There's like tunes, which is a, an idea that one of us had that is somewhat coherent and you, you you know, play the tune and then let it disintegrate. But it kind of has that tune at the core. And then there's also quite a large part of the album is just these long improvisations where you can hear us kind of following threads of ideas and abandoning under threads and I kind of I really like that um, that contrast but that's very much how it was on the day it was like either let's uh, let's just improvise or here's the bones of an idea let's explore that Okay,
0: um, I I haven't heard the full album yet, but there's three songs that are uh, currently up streaming, Zona Rosa, Strange Vessels, and Kestrel. So Zona Rosa is nine and a half minutes long, Strange Vessels is 11 and a half minutes long, and then Kestrel is just over three minutes. Is there a big difference in terms of kind of the length of a song, or is it just like, let's see how long we can actually keep, say, Strange Vessels going? I mean, could you have stopped it after, say, two minutes or three minutes or something
1: yeah totally and i could have actually you know we could you could do an entire album one track of improvisation as well there's so many different ways you could present that you could uh you could take an excerpt from it or maybe it is an excerpt from a longer thing for sure so you're just kind of trying to find a section that that you like the the way it feels as a as a whole i guess
0: i i I think that like the those long songs, like, you know, nine, 10, 11, 12 minute songs, they're kind of running through like trad music and folk folk music I found. And they're always the songs I kind of gravitate towards. I love the way that they twist and turn and kind of, you know, you you catch yourself after about six minutes of listening to a song and you're like, I "Thought this this is still going. Like, where is this going? It's really exciting. I think these long Yeah,
1: these long songs. yeah. I, I love like, um yeah, where it kind of leaves your head at the end of it. That's a uh, I love when you've when you've been in a place that long that uh, that you've allowed a bit more of, of your imagination to just let go and you're not quite so conscious of okay next what there's something like like let's say when you're at a concert and uh, somebody plays a song and then, people applaud and that's like it's like a psychological break where they have to start all over again at the beginning of the next song in a way or something like that whereas it when it just keeps going it's more like a you know in a film where you just follow the mood of it i love that
0: and and like do you find them more challenging or less challenging or is it just like just kind of a change
1: up to what what happens like you can't predict what it's going to be yeah, you kind of can't predict what it's going to be, I would say, yeah. Um, some some stuff just ends up being short, and it feels like, wow, well, we must have been playing for 10 minutes, and it turns out to be three, and sometimes you feel like it's, you know, five minutes, and it turns out to be an hour. Um, you, yeah, I, I wouldn't have a great sense of time while you're playing music. It kind of just follows the thread of the music, and uh, when it comes to an end, it finishes. But, like, yeah, the actual time as as in a clock doesn't i'm not super aware of it while it's happening i would say (laughs) and
0: and the improvisational side of it then is that something that you kind of almost have to hone like decades of playing music you actually just become better at improvising is that
1: something that you've actually kind of developed it is something like developed and and a lot of time it's developing how you think about it and um it you know, I love, I love theories. I I don't think they have to be uh, true or correct. They just have to be useful. So the one I'm quite enjoying at the moment is the idea that improvising is like, you know, when you're having a chat with somebody and you don't really know what you're going to say next, but you're open your mouth and you just spout uh, words. and, And all of us do that all day, every day or some of us don't i guess some people are super careful with what they say certainly me i just start talking and the words come out and that is basically improvisation you've just got this stream of ideas and you follow a thread and you just keep spinning it until it's uh, exhausted or another idea comes along but yeah it feels like it it's not such a mysterious thing if we liken it to just having a chat with somebody down down the pub you know over a point. have you ever been in
0: that situation though where like you're trying to make conversation with someone but like the connection just isn't there and you're just kind of an awkward silence has that actually happened uh with
1: making music oh yeah yeah very much i think and it's i i always feel like it's nobody's fault it's not that you know you're bad or the other person is bad it's just like you're not compatible you know it often happens in conversation as well you're just like sitting i've got i don't really know how to talk to this person. It's not that there's anything wrong with them. It's not that there's anything wrong with me. It's just that there's absolutely no chemistry. And uh, I think that's one of the really, you know, amazing things about playing music is that you can, you can test out these uh, connections and some of them stick and some of them don't. And, um, and the ones that stick are really exciting that you have this, like this really, really, amazing connection with somebody that's visible to to the rest of the world like you know you know like in the, the corner of a pub when you're having this amazing chat and then it's gone but imagine you can like hold that up to the rest of the the world and say hey look we, we've got this beautiful connection it's kind of amazing that uh, people are interested in that with music
0: yeah, yeah. And and like, I mean, you mentioned that like you and Thomas Bartlett hadn't really gotten to make music together over the years. I mean, you've made three albums with uh, The Gloaming and um, I know that you're super busy with some so many other things. When you're actually making The Gloaming music, are you all making it together? And like, who do you bounce off when you're making an album with six, uh, is it five or six people in The Gloaming?
1: five yeah it's really it's it's hard it's like it's kind of you know trying to trying to have a conversation with five people and and that's just Uh, It's an entirely different kind of character conversation. I think um, how I found a really successful way of working with um, my other band, This Is How We Fly, uh, which is four guys, and we kind of break down into duos and uh, come up with material as a duo, then get back together in a room and kind of see, do the ideas fit together or kind of say, here's what we've made. um, And is there anything you can do to to react to it because we tried with that band like the four of us uh, working together simultaneously but um, it, we found it really tough and actually not that productive whereas breaking down into two duos you kind of get twice as much material done in the same amount of time and it's much more productive and much more satisfying.
0: So the relationship with Thomas obviously goes back a long way like did you just meet him kind of through the gloaming or did you know him before that? I just met him through the band and and there was just like that that special connection there.
1: Well, yeah, I I think like in the band, it was kind of now and again we'd kind of get this uh thing across the stage where oh yeah that person's listening to me. Oh yeah, he's uh, reacting to me. Oh, that's kind of fun, isn't it? But it never kind of went beyond that because I guess there was there's just so much other stuff going on and the the kind of material was kind of bringing it in a different direction to where that particular conversation wanted to go.
0: And so you mentioned the three places that you recorded, uh, this album, Mexico City, New York and in Bath. Do you think that place actually influences the type of music that you make? Or is it just like you're in a studio, it doesn't matter where in the world you are, you're going to make the same thing?
1: Ah, yeah, I I don't really know, to be honest. I think, like, for me, those influences work on a much longer timescale. So, like, your relationship to place is a a much slower thing that if you live, let's say, beside the sea for 20 years, it's going to work its way into your work. Uh, Or if you're on the side of a mountain or if you're in the city, I think uh, for me it would be a slower a slower infiltration there
0: okay and and like i mean you mentioned all of the other places that you've been as well like you're very much a man of the world now like are, do you find that you're in ireland less and less
1: no no i've i've got a really nice kind of way of uh setting things up so i get to be home quite a lot i think it's you know it's pretty important to kind of keep a handle on that, I think some musicians are are out there touring, you know, two hundred and fifty gigs a year. I couldn't do that; absolutely wouldn't want to do that. You know, friends and family and would suffer greatly. So I think it's a it's a really good thing to work towards. Is a nice balance in life where you've got a we've got a bit of time at home for sure.
0: And just on on the album, I was just reading a little bit about it. It says that you play the ha- Hardanger d'Amour, which is it, could you explain that a little bit to me? I hadn't heard of that before.
1: Sure. Well, it's a new instrument that um, was made specifically for me, uh, an idea dreamt up by my friend Dan Truman. And... Um, It is a cross between a hardanger fiddle, which is a traditional Norwegian instrument, and the other thing it's crossed with is a viola de more, which is a kind of baroque instrument. Both of those instruments have strings that you play with the bow, but they've also other strings there that you don't actually play. And those strings are sympathetic strings adding resonance. It's like... um, a very specific reverb on specific notes. So you tune those strings to notes and then if you play that note, that string starts singing back. So it just kind of has this extra echo around the sound. And um, I guess the five strings on top, you've got a slightly wider range than a, a fiddle or a violin. You've got an extra string at the low end. So it kind of combines the range of a viola and a violin but then like the the palette of sound you get is even wider again because of this uh, kind of harmonic richness so it's, it's a really beautiful instrument in fact if you you can you can look up more about it on uh, if you go to hardangerdemore.com. that's amazing he made it especially for you hey uh, well yeah i mean dan truman so dan is this amazing uh composer and fiddler who was the first person I ever saw playing the Hardanger Fiddle um, back in the year 2000 and we've, we've made an album together called I Do and we have another one actually coming out in the spring and we, uh, he's a big influence on me musically. Um, when we met back in the year 2000 he gave me an album called Trollstilts that he just made with his wife and it was kind of mind-bending music. I remember a description Tony McMahon had of a German bomber, I think, doing what he called a split-arse turn. (laughs) And it felt like this music did split-arse turns all over the place. Like, you know, like as if somebody's just poured bleach on your brain. It's like, where the hell did those notes just come from? It's like, it was so far out of my world of reference that it was, like, thrilling. And uh, so... I became a huge fan of Dan, and um, and then we subsequently reconnected years later and started making music together, and uh, continued to do that, which is really exciting. I mean, it's such a rewarding experience making music with Dan. Um, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it, but he's just, you know, one of these people who is a proper genius. He's insane uh, brain on him.
0: And when you are traveling the world, do you ever keep an eye out for new string inst- instruments that are similar to, like, a violin or that Hardanger Damore? Are are you kind of, like, looking out and seeing if anyone will bring you something special?
1: I, I used to be, but honestly, this instrument is just so beautiful. I kind of never want to play anything else again, but... Uh... Yeah, I mean, I have come across some other amazing instruments. Like, Garth Knox is another musician I play with who's uh, an amazing viola player and viola de moray player who lives in France. But um, he has a medieval fiddle, which, like, conventionally, you know, we would think sounds horrendous. But, like, when you hear the sound of it, it's any any violinist or fiddle player would think, what is that sound? And yet it kind of hits you in a way that, like, a a modern violin could never do. I mean, it's like it seems very close to a human voice of somebody that's, like, just in agony (laughs) kind of a thing. I think the strings are made of horsehair as well on that, that fiddle. And I'm really intrigued by that, that in every instrument that there's these totally different worlds of possibility of sound that can elicit entirely different feelings in you. And so, yeah, at some point, I I feel like maybe I'll I'll want to explore that a bit more. But at the moment, it feels like this hard anardomore is just the only instrument I want to play. Ah,
0: that, um, I, was, I was just thinking there, like you're never going to run out of sounds with these instruments and what you can kind of do with them. Do you ever kind of worry that you run out of musical ideas?
1: I, well no (laughs) or or, or like i mean you're
0: talking about kind of like you know you wouldn't be able to do 250 shows a year sort of thing kind of burnout or something like that do you actually think that like you do actually need time away from the music itself
1: i yeah i think so i think i've always found that that it's really healthy to kind of have other stuff in your in your life that's feeding into it if you were to like have the same conversation every day for 250 days you get pretty sick of that conversation <laughs> you know but uh, there is another thing that I've been doing over the last few years which keeps things fresh for me which is I've been writing a uh, computer code to process the the live fiddle so like I in in solar performances I'll um I'll you know uh, have this code that I run where I create uh, kind of soundscapes and the way I've built that is kind of there's a lot of randomness involved so I I don't quite know what it's doing that's really exciting Um, it means that you can never really play the same piece of music twice uh, I love there's a thing I don't know if you heard of the, the wonderful uh, old fiddle player from Schliefflugger called Patrick O'Keefe uh, I don't think so no but he had a well he had a cool thing which I really admire which was every person he taught a tune to he'd teach them a different version so they wouldn't be able to play it together and uh, and he said this beautiful thing which is any man that plays a tune the same way twice is no better than a separator <laughs> I think and uh, and I really like that, that you're not trying to play a tune like you're not trying to make the perfect pie that you pull out of the oven and said, here's one I made earlier. It's like I'm making this totally fresh right here, right now. So even if you are playing the same tune night after night, it's still totally fresh. And um, and the way that you the way that you create a note has chance built into it that like parameters you're not in control of that um kind of keep it alive for yourself i guess
0: yeah um would you think about recording an album with that computer code idea or does that kind of totally go against what you're no
1: totally totally uh, into the idea of doing that and uh, i just i've always found it hard to um take care of the solo stuff because it's kind of hard to push you know yourself it's a lot easier to go out and talk about a project that somebody else is involved with but I should get better at it and uh, yeah yeah I really want to make an album with that stuff for sure
0: deadlines I think dead once you set yourself a deadline you know you want to hit it I think uh that that was something that was there that was beat into us in school like doing the leaving cert and everything you know you've got your deadline and I think totally that that, I think yeah that's, that's what we all need <laughs> okay so give me a deadline so <laughs> yeah yeah well I mean if it took you four years <laughs> to do this album you know
1: Okay, so by 2023, I'll uh, okay, okay, have a yeah. solo. Computer. Cool. Food. It's a deal. It's a deal. <laughs> yeah, thanks.
0: <laughs> you did just kind of mention that you're you're busy. I mean, the couple of bands that you're in, all of the people that you play with, uh, it's been a busy decade for you. It must have been like a, a super rewarding one as well. I don't know if you ever like kind of reflect on it, but
1: oh I suppose yeah I don't really I don't really look back too much but yeah I mean I, I guess it's a big body of work actually um I think yeah that this is like something like maybe album number 18 that I've put out or it could be 19 I'm not sure it's uh it's definitely quite a quite a few recordings for sure um but it's been brilliant you know I mean it's i get to work with these amazing people who want to make music and like music different music in different ways like ways to engage the mind and um uh, yeah it's a it's a really special and privileged way to go through this life i think
0: and you're you're probably going to say something similar again but do you ever think that like the music that you're making probably particularly with the gloaming i suppose with the three albums that you've put out this decade that you're kind of moving the conversation on in terms of like irish folk and trad music
1: i uh, no, not really something like consider i guess um yeah i'm not really worried about that uh, because I suppose I just think of music as music, uh, not so much as um, a particular <laughs> genre. I suppose, like I know, I'm from that world. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just more concerned with like being an artist and and uh, being able to stand behind the the art I produce and uh, and continue to make. That's an important thing. It's just make put out put it out and move on I think is a kind of a healthy way to, to look at it for me
0: right yeah yeah and oh yeah I, I you've mentioned a couple of names over the course of our uh, conversation today but who would have been some of the names that influenced you when you first picked up the fiddle
1: uh, well I guess the very first the reason I wanted to, to play the fiddle uh, apparently was um, do you remember the boardnemona ad? with uh, the, the fiddle player, and it was John, well, it, I think it was young John Kelly, but the, the tune being played was uh, the Marino Waltz by John Sheehan of the Dubliners, and I think, like, that was a really early kind of reason as a six-year-old that I wanted to play the fiddle, um, and then kind of went to a bunch of classes and various different music would have grabbed me. I mean, one of the major ones was Podrick O'Keeffe. that the man I mentioned uh there was something really uh, different and special about his music uh he, he was I guess um born I think he was born maybe in the 1800s or something like that so he's an old guy you know and his his uh his music had had a load of extra information around it that I felt was kind of being polished out of the music so that there was like um a surface texture. Like if you run your finger over the the sound, if you imagine that, if you could run your finger over the sound and it felt like modern music was like, uh, like running your finger over the surface of a MacBook or something. And like his music, it felt like running your fingers over a piece of driftwood or something like that. There was all this extra information and that that felt like a really rich area. And there was a load of different musicians like that. Um, from traditional music like Willie Clancy I always thought his music felt like you could like most musicians you hear the choice they made but with him you could hear all the choices that he could have made as well that was a really appealing kind of idea to build into how you want to create music. I guess like someone like Tony McMahon then was just the incredible power of his music and I remember like as a 16 or 17 year old meeting him kind of asking him like how do you put that passion into music yeah there's just been there's been so many encounters and um, inspirations and you know people from other traditions then as well and people stepping outside of other traditions there's a guy from Norway called Niels Auckland uh, whose music I really love, but he describes himself as a renewer of tradition, and he kind of he plays the hardanger fiddle, but in a in a very abstract kind of context of more Scandinavian contemporary jazz or something like that. Um, you know, not jazz as as in jazz but <laughs> jazz is in like space like landscapes so him and like Arve henriksen and that whole world of scandinavian sparse atmospheric jazz would be a big influence
0: okay so so a couple of names to check out uh there anyway so thanks for that so just coming back to this weekend at sounds from a safe harbour it's one of only a couple of shows that you're going to be playing with thomas Bartlett, like are you going to talk about what you're going to play beforehand or is it going to be a similar vein to how you actually recorded the album? We'll go up on stage and we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, I think we'll have some ideas because um, I need to figure out things like how to, like, the tuning for the fiddle. So that's a really basic constraint I have on all gigs is do I need to change the tuning of my instrument at any point? Uh, so there'll be a discussion about that if we're going to play some of the tunes I need to you know I need to know what tuning they're going to be in and where they sit so yeah there will be that uh, but I imagine we'll have some quite large sections of the shows then will be also improvised and um and we probably won't be trying to you know recreate the improvisations we did on the album we'll be just kind of here we go afresh but we'll also play the the tunes I imagine that we have as well so yeah, but in terms of how we play them, that'll be totally up for grabs on the day.
0: <laughs> we'll, fi- we'll find out when we find out. What about afterwards? What else do you have lined up maybe for the rest of the year or next year? Any plans? Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: I'm going off to um, the States in October and um, I'm going there with a wonderful actor, Connor Lovett, who's from Cork. Uh, he's like... Absolutely the most wonderful uh, Beckett actor. And if you if you have a chance, um, you must see him do Samuel Beckett's work. I'm on tour with him doing Melville's Moby Dick, actually. And it's really fun working, just kind of seeing him and his wife, uh, Judy hegarty Lovett, who directs and getting a kind of close window into how they work together and how they make this extraordinary work Um I, I really admire what they do. I, I they've just been in Cork actually doing How It Is.
0: Oh okay, I'm going to see that this weekend. Oh cool. So keep an eye. Brilliant. Out. Yeah. Well, that sounds that sounds uh, good. Do the gloaming have uh, NCH shows lined up for February as as is annual tradition?
1: I I I don't think so because I think the hall is maybe um, being closed for her repairs. Yeah, but uh, we do. I got some. This is how we fly stuff coming up in November and. Then, let me see, next year I'm off to... I was saying I've got that album coming out out with Dan Truman, but Dan is also writing me this piece for uh for me to play with a contemporary music ensemble from new york called contemporaneous and um and i'm hoping we're going to be doing it with the crash as well in ireland Uh, but that's that's really exciting to play in that environment and the way dan writes is uh is really wonderful it's like you feel you know you imagine someone like me going into an environment of classical musicians who are all super virtuosic and uh could be really awkward but the way dan writes it me makes you feel right at home and that you can do anything and um and that's that's great you know
0: well i mean look it, 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 we we talked earlier about how, how how did it take four years for this album with thomas bartlett to come out it sounds like you're a very busy busy man creepy and it sounds like it's not going to get any quieter for you uh anytime soon and i'm presuming that like you wouldn't want it any other way
1: yeah it's really look it's lovely absolutely love it <laughs>
0: Great. Well listen, thanks a million for making uh the time for the chats and uh best of luck with uh the show in uh Sendjamin Safe Harbor in Saint Luke's with Thomas and uh with the actual album itself and everything else. Super Owen, thank you so much. Great. Thanks a million, Queen. <laughs>